where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Important two words. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Which is crazy, right? Because remember what happened yesterday? Then they say, verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. God, thank you that there's power in your words. When you wanted to create the universe, you simply spoke and like creation happened. Jesus, when Lazarus was dead, you simply said his name and he came to life. And so we believe there's such power in the word of God. And so we just say, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us as we we study your word together, Lord, would this not be dead and dry and boring or confusing, but would your spirit come and breathe life and speak to us right now? Would we like leave tonight knowing, man, I've heard from God, that God spoke to me. Spirit, come, apply your word to our hearts, encourage us, convict us, lead us, Lord. We just right now even just humble ourselves at your feet, Jesus. We want to listen to you and hear from you, God. You have, have your way in this room. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me ask you, have, have you ever driven on like a super dangerous, just sketchy road? Yes, right? Okay, if you guys were here, I don't know when, last summer we went up to like basically up Gibraltar to worship. Sketchy, crazy road, like cliffs both sides, right? Um, here's why I ask that. Because Jesus says the way to life, to eternal life, to follow him is actually like that. It's like this narrow kind of crazy road. And he says, listen, a lot of people start off on the road, but few actually make it down that narrow road to this gate at the end. He said, it's hard. He said, few will enter through the little gate at the end of the narrow road. Um, And so tonight, as we look at this conversation with Jesus and this crowd, um, Jesus is saying, listen, guys, and we're only going to look at 12 verses. It's a long conversation. But in these 12 verses, Jesus explains like three uh, really common, like, I don't know what the word may be, like detours off that road or like pitfalls in the road or like cliffs. Like he explains three ways we get off of the road to following him. Um, just for a really quick context before we get into it, 
Jesus just, remember yesterday in the text, he fed the 5,000, which is probably about 20,000. They just counted the men in this list. So he just fed everybody supernaturally. He crossed the lake supernaturally and they, and they come up to him and they start having this conversation, okay? And, and as Jesus talks with these people, this conversation is profound and it's honestly really challenging. Um, but these Challenging words of Jesus will keep us on that road that leads to life, that leads to Jesus, who is that gate at the end. So what are these like three pitfalls or three dangers on the road? The first one is in our uh, verse 26. It says this, I'll read that verse again. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, which is a good thing. But then he says, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So what Jesus is saying, pitfall number one is this. We can seek Jesus for the wrong reason. And that's important. It's really, really important. It it said, um, where was it? Verse 24, they were seeking Jesus. Like if there's anybody to seek, it's Jesus. These people were on track. Like, yeah, I want Jesus. But then when they get to Jesus, Jesus says, listen, You're seeking me, not because you understood this sign I just did, but just because you had some bread and I filled your stomach and you just want that again. Listen, we people always, we're so prone as humans to just do things for the wrong reasons. Like not just with Jesus, this is just who we are as humans. Um, Maybe for some of us, it's it's like a pride reason. Like, man, I, I do good things, but really it's just kind of for my reputation or what people think about me. So you like look good, but you're just doing stuff for you, really. So here's a classic example. Do you remember growing up and you were like at a friend's house and um, for some reason at a friend's house, you're always super helpful, like with the dishes and cleaning things up. Remember how that happens? Like, but it's never that way at home. And then, you know, when your friends come over and they're like helping with the dishes and your parents are like, oh, you're so helpful. You're like, no, they're not. They're just doing this to like, you know what I mean? So we do that. It's pride. We, we do many things. We, we, we look good, but really we're just doing it for us. Uh, maybe another way we do this in life is just um, we like suck up, right? So here's, here's a sad one that honestly I was guilty of. I always, I remember uh, this one kid and he, his family was super rich growing up and his house was like a mansion. And you know, when you're like a little kid, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be friends with this kid so I can go to his house and like play with his video games and his pool and the water slide and like the dirt bikes. Like I just did that. Like I I didn't really want to be friends with this kid. I just like wanted his stuff. It's sad, but true. We do things for the wrong reasons. That's just what we do. And Jesus is saying to these people, listen, you're seeking me, but you're not really seeking me. You just want some, something from me. And listen, it's the same thing with pride. Listen, we got to ask ourselves: is there any bit of me that seeks Jesus because I want people to notice me? Like, I want people to think, wow, look how awesome they are. Look at them in worship. Look at how generous they are. Look at, they're all about social justice. But really, we're just seeking Jesus for us, for our own glory. Is that part of us? And then here's the other one, the lesser motive. This is true of all of us. We seek Jesus often we're prone to seek Jesus, not because we love and want to be with Jesus, but like we want his stuff. Like, hey, Jesus, give me some bread. Hey, Jesus, take care of me. Hey, Jesus, would you just please provide me, please, Jesus, would you please provide me with better circumstances? Would you, uh, you know, 
I mean, here, here's what this is like. I'm married, I've been married for six and a half years. And imagine if I told my wife, do you know what? I love you so much because you do all this nice stuff for me. So thank you, I love you. Is that, would she be like, thanks? No, she'd be like, I, I just want you to love me. I don't want you to like love me for what I can do for you. But we and this crowd are often prone to seek Jesus because we want his stuff, but not him himself. And we just need to be honest and ask ourselves, man, am I seeking Jesus because I just love Jesus? I just love being in his presence. Or is it maybe because I want something from him? And now listen, his gifts are awesome and they're not bad to want and to ask for. Jesus, please, please make my life better. He loves when we cry out to him. But at the end of the day, if we seek Jesus for any other reason besides simply him, it just won't last. It won't sustain us because we're not looking, we're not looking for Jesus. We're looking for like an idol, like Jesus, I need this thing. Give me this thing. And, and here's the thing, anything besides Jesus just is a, it's a bad God. It won't last. It won't sustain you. It won't satisfy you. All of his gifts are amazing, but they won't be enough in the end. Nothing satisfies us like Jesus. And so we got to ask Jesus, Holy Spirit, please show me, are there ways in which I'm seeking you, but I'm not really seeking you. I just want your stuff. And so Jesus says, listen, that's the only reason you just want some bread from me. Now, the second pitfall detour on the narrow road is in the next verse, in verse 27. He says this, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So here's the pitfall. We obsess and work for the wrong thing. Okay, so, you know, we're on this road to follow Jesus, this narrow road. And here's the thing, as we're following Jesus, there's just gonna be many attractive detours and like, oh, look at that road. That looks really awesome. And man, everyone's going over there. That looks awesome. And Jesus is saying, listen, you guys are just working for food. That's like what your life is all about. Like you're just working to survive. And he says, don't make your life simply about like stuffing your face and just surviving. He's like, Work for something eternal for me. And uh, honestly, this is a legitimate temptation at our age because we have like, well, at least God willing, our whole lives ahead of us, our whole jobs, dreams, careers. Like we have all this cool, exciting stuff ahead of us. And um, right now it's really, really easy to be like, man, this is where my heart is. This is what I'm working towards. This is what I want. And it's weird to think that one day, but God willing, you'll be like 75 years old and retired and you'll look back and wonder like, what was it all for? Like, like it's weird to think about that, but you're gonna be 75 one day probably. And you're gonna look back like, what is it all for? Just food? I just trying to survive? Is that like what I lived for? Like, oh, I just gotta pay rent. I just gotta survive. Was it just success? Because it will all be gone one day. And Jesus is saying, don't, like pursue all this stuff and lose your soul. And it's so hard. It's because you guys, no one else tells us this. No one in the world ever says, hey, don't live for your success in your career and don't live for your relationships and don't live for your influence. Like 
Live for something eternal for Jesus. No one's going to say that to you but Jesus. Um, even like where we live here, it's, it's just survival mode. If you try to survive in Santa Barbara, like we all know, it's hard to survive. And we can just be like, yeah, I love Jesus, but man, I gotta get like my work done. I gotta pay the bills. I gotta survive. And Jesus is saying, don't fall into that trap. That's a detour on the narrow road. Uh, there's this uh, missionary named Jim Elliott. He gave his life probably 65 years ago or something in South America to this unreached people group. Um, him and four other men like landed a plane, made contact with these people and got speared alive. And one of his quotes that he said, which is awesome before he was killed, is he said this, he or she is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, his life, to gain that which he cannot lose. I'm gonna say that again. He is no fool who gives what he can't even keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He's saying you're not stupid to give your life for eternity because you're gonna lose your life anyways and you're gaining your soul eternity. Listen, you guys, I just want to remind us Let's live for like the glory of God and God's mission that people would come to know Jesus and nothing else. Like let's actually pray and consider, Lord, should I move to another country where people have never heard of you? And if, listen, if it's not that, then it's that here. Like God, I want to make my life about you, that people would come to know you, Jesus. There's like, there's that and then there's lose your soul. Like that's how it works. And, and it's cool because it's not like you can't have a job and you can't have relationships and you can't have gifts and resources and talents. It's just all of that stuff is to be used for the glory of God in the world. And, and listen, man, when you make your job and your career about the glory of Jesus, like that's eternal, eternally significant. And we'll look back like, man, I just wish I could have done more for Jesus with my jobs and my relationships and my money and my time. And so Jesus is saying, don't work for the wrong thing. That's a pitfall. It's uh, the parable of the soils. He says, people hear the word of God, they receive it joyfully, but then the, word, the things of this world choke it out. Like whatever that may be, the things, the glory of this world, the allure of this world just choke it out. And he's saying, don't let it be choked out. And then that's a similar way we work for the wrong thing for Jesus. This is one close to my heart. It's still in this pitfall is a, uh, it's, look at what they say to Jesus in verse 28. So Jesus is like, listen, don't waste your life. And then look at their response, verse 28. Then they said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Isn't it interesting? They're like, okay, fine. What do I have to do, Jesus? What do I have to do? What do I have to earn? Like their mind goes straight to like doing. And I, and I know my soul is just like that. Okay, don't waste your life, Jesus. What do I have to do? Sign me up. What do I have to do? How can I do what I'm supposed to do? But listen, hear me, please hear me. Another pitfall to working for the wrong thing is to spiritually work for the wrong thing. To like, listen, to say, okay, I'm not just gonna work for food. I'm gonna work for God and I'm gonna do the works of God. And I'm gonna make my life about doing and doing and doing for God. Listen, look at what Jesus says to them in verse 29. This is so important. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Do you know what you have to do? Basically nothing. Believe in Jesus. That 
is the work of God. Listen, spend my life, social justice, serve the world, be a missionary, do this. Jesus is like, no, believe in me. Come to me. That is the most important thing we have to do is to cling to Jesus and what he has already done. Listen, it's a pitfall. It's an actual spiritual pitfall to think that to follow Jesus is about doing something for Jesus. Listen, it's not. It's about clinging to what Jesus has done. The gospel, clinging to Jesus, believing in Jesus every moment. And, and that, when I'm clinging to the, the glory of the gospel, that Jesus has done what I could never do, that none of my works were enough, it's from that place when we abide with Jesus, that's what I'm focused on doing today, that like all the fruit of a good life and mission will flow. Because listen, if your life is about doing for Jesus, you will burn out. Or, or maybe you're just gonna like be frustrated or angry or like I can't do enough. The point is, man, I love when God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nation. You guys, the narrow road leads to a narrow gate and that gate is Jesus, not your works for Jesus. The gate to eternity is Jesus alone, not your great life for Jesus. And so Jesus is like, man, we're just like these people. Okay, Jesus, what do I have to do? What do I have to do right now? What do I need to go do when I leave? And look what he says, just look at it again. Verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom, you, in whom he has sent. That's it. That's what I have to do. That's what I need to focus on, believing in Jesus and what he has done for me. Um, listen, this, it, maybe is, it sounds simple, but our hearts are so prone to get off and focused on our doing. Um, this pastor lived like 200 years ago, said this, listen, um, man, this is so good. This is, if any of you feel discouraged because you're not doing enough for Jesus, hear this. We may feel ourselves poor, weak sinners, but do we believe? We may fail and come short in many things, but do we believe? He that has learned to feel his sin and to trust Jesus as his savior has learned the two hardest and greatest lessons in Christianity. I say that again. He that has learned to feel his sin and to trust Jesus has learned the two hardest and greatest lessons in Christianity. And here's what's uh, significant. It's hard. That's hard. That's actually work. It's actually hard to like, okay, I just want to believe in Jesus and not be about my good works. Like Jesus said in verse 29, this is the work of God. Like it's not easy to every day reset my soul like, Jesus, I believe what you have done and that's the most important thing, what you have done. Like that's not easy to like apply the love of God in the gospel on the cross to your heart every day is really hard work. That, but that's the good work of following Jesus. Now listen, like reading your Bible is not like, let me do something for God. Why we read our Bible is to remind ourselves what Jesus has done. 
like when I want to go be with Jesus in prayer, it's not like, okay, I'm doing the, the hard work of prayer. It's like, no, I just want to be with Jesus right now. That's what prayer is. To like be, listen, this is important for us. A viable member of a local church is hard work. And we don't do it to earn something, but because this is where Jesus is, the body of Christ, to connect us to Jesus. Like relationships, to have relationships where you're really honest about your sin and your struggles and your doubt, and you say, you can confront me and speak into me, is hard work, but it connects us to Jesus. And so there's all this good work that we do, but the point is I just want to believe in Jesus. I want to focus on Jesus. I want to be connected to Jesus because he has done what only he can do and save me from my sins. And he says that Jesus is the food, the source of life that sustains your soul that will last for eternity. Um, and here's, here's what I love. Even when we do that work, of just believing in Jesus. It's actually not even us working. It's the spirit of God. It's a gift. Look at verse 29 again. Look what he says. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Um, oh, where is it? I lost my verse. Where is it? Oh, it's verse 30. No, I lost it. Somewhere in these verses, he says, which the son of man will give to you. It's a gift of God. Even our believing and our doing is a gift from God. I have to find this. Will someone help me find this? Right before 33. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, I say to you, it was not Moses. My father gives you. He gives. It's a gift, the true bread from heaven. The most important thing is actually still a gift from God. Even our believing is a gift from God. And I love that same pastor. His name's J.C. Ryle. He said, Jesus is far more willing to give than we are to receive. Like the hard work of Christianity is receiving. Okay, yeah, believe in Jesus and what he's done. And that's enough for me. And I just want to cling to Jesus. And that's where the fruit comes from. And then uh, in the next verse, verse 31. So that's pitfall number two. Just be obsessed with the wrong thing, even for Jesus. The pitfall number three is in verse 31. They say this, um, our fathers ate manna. No, I wrote it down wrong. Help me, Jesus. Okay, verse 30. Then what sign, okay, this is it, verse 30. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Which before I say the pitfall, that's just craziness because they literally just had bread from heaven given to them yesterday. And they're like, okay, sure, Jesus, prove yourself. So what sign do you do? Here's the pitfall. Hear me, here's the pitfall. Doubting Jesus, even when he's proven himself to you. Doubting Jesus on the road, even when he's already proven himself to you. That is a legitimate pitfall on the road that you will face many, many days because life is hard and it's discouraging. And Jesus says, you will face trials and temptations and you will suffer. And our heart will be prone to be like, Jesus, yeah, I know you did that, but like, you need to prove yourself right now. You need to prove yourself. And this is crazy. These people literally had the bread Jesus just fed them with in their, in their bodies. At the moment, they're like, prove yourself, Jesus. But we're just like that. 
Jesus has been so good to us and we're so prone to be like, yeah, but prove yourself. I need something else. I need you to do something else to me. Prove yourself and then I'll believe. And um, I just, I wanna say, okay, so, well, I didn't have bread from heaven and maybe if I had bread from heaven, maybe then I would believe. And I, the first thing I wanna say about that, me, God, if you just did maybe one more miracle, please, then I would believe you. That, that statement is a statement of, an, of a heart that already doesn't believe. That's a statement of a heart that's like, Jesus, prove yourself, then I'll believe. And we have like 4,000 years to show us it doesn't work. When people see a miracle of God delivered from Egypt, 10 plagues, the sea opened, it's like three days later, they're like, prove yourself, God. Why are we out here to die? You need to prove yourself. We are, are like that. And here's what I wanna say. These people had bread that Jesus had already given them to prove who he was, but we have something better. When you are in the spot where you're frustrated and you're tempted to say, Jesus, prove yourself to me. Remember, remember, remember Jesus hanging on the cross for you. Remember that. Remember that Jesus doesn't just provide, hey, here's some bread, which that'd be cool, but like, Jesus was broken like bread. His body was broken on the cross for you. Like Jesus has already proven his love for you and his faithfulness to you. And though we are like these people and we were often seeking Jesus for his stuff or some bread for the wrong reasons, man, I just love that though we seek Jesus imperfectly, Jesus sought you perfectly left heaven, left his throne, died on the cross for you and gave you faith. Like Jesus is the good shepherd and he seeks you when you are lost. And if you're discouraged, you're like, man, I suck at not following Jesus. Remember you're a sheep and you have a shepherd who's really good at pursuing you. That he was broken for you. That he's a shepherd coming after you. And Man, though like these people, we don't do the work of God adequately and we get distracted and we start living for the world or we try to earn our way to God. Jesus, remember Jesus perfectly did the work of God that God set for him. He perfectly lived for you and went to the cross. And all of the work of Jesus is applied to your account when you believe in him. He, man, he went to the cross for our sin and our failures and our mixed motives and our pride and our doubt and our imperfect believing. He went to the cross for that. And he perfectly, perfectly paid for our sin. And though we, like these people, doubt Jesus, that he's really faithful, Jesus has already proven how faithful he is on the cross. And he will hold on and to sustain. He, he sustains, he says, Man, I, I wish I wrote it down. It's somewhere in these verses. He will, he will hold on to those. He will not lose those who the Father has given him. And um, I want to close with these, these last verses. Look at verse 31 through 33. I want to read this. Our fathers, they say to Jesus, ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Um, just quickly imagine being like with Moses in the middle of a desert and like for 40 years of your life, 
there was just bread on the ground. Like, honestly, picture that. Like, oh yeah, it's just what happens here. There's bread on the ground. I got to see bread from heaven every single day. And imagine like all your doubts about God. Is God real? Is he good? Like every day, there's bread on the ground for you. Even if you doubted God, even if you were dumb, there's still bread from God for you. And Jesus says in these verses, yeah, that's cool. But listen, I'm better than that. I'm better than if you just had supernatural bread lying on your floor every morning. I'm better. I'm like better than manna from heaven. I'm the true bread from heaven. And listen, manna's cool, but what did it do? It fed your stomach and then like you got hungry again. And Jesus says, I will feed and sustain your soul forever, forever. Bread is cool, but like Jesus sustains your soul and satisfies you for eternity. And manna lasted for one day. If you tried to store it, it turned into like maggoty worms. Listen, Jesus doesn't do that. He is good day after day after day. In fact, I will testify he gets better. He gets better and better and better. We have something that the people with Moses could only dream of that like we would know Jesus and that by our trusting in him, our souls get to just feast on God and his presence. And not only that, it's gonna get better. One day we will feast with Jesus face to face because of what he has done for us in all of our imperfections. We have something better in Jesus. And so right now we get to feast on Jesus as a body together as we worship him. Um, We get to feast on him. Just a reminder, when we like pray for one another, we confess our sins. We get to feast on Jesus. And remember, man, Jesus forgives you of that. He's set you free from that. We get to feast on his goodness when we pray for one another and the spirit of God comes and like heals or speaks prophetically. We get to feast on him as we simply, and this is profound, when the eyes of our heart we have all kinds of craziness going on in our life. But we're like, no, I'm going to look above that and I'm going to look at Jesus. That peace at like, I'm not going to look at this right now. I'm going to look at Jesus. Like that's where our souls get strength to go back into like the valleys because he's with us. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're just going to feast on Jesus together. Whatever that means, you need to just lay down. We're going to have some prayer team. If you want prayer, you guys can pray for one another. Uh, I think we have communion right here to just remember like it's this physical, yes, Jesus, you're like bread. Your blood is like, was poured out like this juice. So thank you, Lord. Um, So let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll feast on him. Jesus, thank you that you are so good. And Lord, that we're so prone to wander and we're so prone to doubt your faithfulness. And we're so prone to like seek you for the wrong reasons. Jesus, you came after us. You went to the cross for us. You've proven your faithfulness. You are a good shepherd. And so Lord, if there's any of us right now that are like running from you, would thank you that you're you're fat, you're quicker than a little sheep. You're like, you can get us, you can come get us. And so we just say, please, Lord, any way in which we're, we're fleeing you, would you just grab us, Lord? Would you seek us? Jesus, any way in which we, we're just like idolaters, like we just want your stuff, but we don't want you, would please, Lord, would we taste and see that you are good, that you're better than any gift you could give us tonight? Jesus, any way in which we feel guilty or condemned because we've been working for the wrong thing, Would we rest in your work, your perfect work on the cross for us? And then would we just feast on you now, Lord? Holy Spirit, come, move.
do your work. Help us see the goodness of Jesus. Help us feast on Jesus in your presence. Lord, we just be still now for a minute. Just still our hearts. Invite your spirit just to come, move, and speak to us, Lord, as we, as we seek you.